Welcome to Women in Venture Capital. I'm Roshvina, a student at Harvard Business School with prior experience in finance and more recently venture capital in Africa. And I'm Anvita, Harvard Business School class of 22. I've actively worked in VC and tech startup space. Our mission at Women in Venture Capital is simple. increase the representation of women in the vc industry through awareness and engagement so join us as we engage with women establishing their presence in vc our guest today is sarah biggs sarah is a partner and the chief operating officer at asymmetric capital partners a recently launched 105 million dollar early stage b2b focused fund which i personally am involved with and i'm incredibly excited as i work with them they're a super team Uh, prior to joining the founding team of Asymmetric, Sarah was a director at Long Wharf Capital, a Boston-based real estate private equity team, focused on fundraising, investor relations, and fund development. Previously, Sarah worked at Bain Capital, where she was a member of the investor relations team focused on North American private equity and Bain Capital Ventures. She started her career at Goldman Sachs, working for a private wealth management team, overseeing family offices, endowments, and foundations. She is a graduate of Princeton University. and lives in downtown boston with her husband pj and young daughters charlotte and louisa i can't be more excited to have you on sarah thank you so much for joining us thank you so much so excited to be here super so jumping right into our questions you are one of the guests who has a very unique background you've worked on both sides of investing and interestingly the other side of investing is one which we haven't seen a, we haven't had a lot of guests who've been on that side which is the operator role in the investing industry um so i would love to kick it off with that that you started your career in finance and then transitioned to a more operator role in this industry um which is around helping funds raise their funds and also manage their limited partners curious to hear what led to this transition and what have you observed working on both sides sure Yeah, so my first role at Goldman was working with a team whose clients were invested across every asset class. So for me those first two years out of school acted as an amazing primer where I got to see every single asset class and really interact with most every team across the firm at Goldman. Um and for me alternatives and specifically the private markets products stood out to me as the area that I was most interested in. Um and then I layering that onto the fact that I knew I wanted to be in a client facing relationship based type role. Um so the move to investor relations was really a logical one. Um and from there I I've, I've worked at a number of firms of varying sizes and um have been able to get pulled in a number of different directions working on different products, asset classes, um as well as working on kind of some firm and fund development strategy. and so i think all of that has really led me um to to this kind of the coo type role where it's it's basically working firm fund management everything except making the the direct investments um and i think a, an interesting part about this role is it's really kind of the linchpin between the investment teams and the investors um so it's kind of a key communications role where um you know i understand the the primary drivers and also um pain points for for both groups um and and kind of function as the person going between making sure that that we're optimizing for everyone's you know ultimate needs um so i would say my roles have always involved kind of a a heavy dose of of this communications both kind of formal marketing communications but also just just really keeping keeping those lines open between those two groups Um I always enjoy bringing the LP perspective to investors 
um, and making sure that our LPs understand exactly, you know, the strategies um, and thought process behind what we're doing on the investment side. So, so that's really just kind of been the story of that for me. Um, you know, I, I was an English major in college. Um, I wasn't your typical finance major. Um, and, and I do feel like I still get to bring a lot of that, a lot of the writing, a lot of kind of, um, you, know, you know, maybe sometimes more, um, you know, analytical in, in the people and kind of EQ relationship sense. Um, so I get to do that while also obviously, you know, having the finance background, understanding exactly what's going on and being able, being able to translate that. Because when you talk about the limited partner community, um, you know, both if you're talking about kind of at the high net worth um, family office area and then in the institutional world, um, there is a really large degree of sophistication. You know, you have some people who are the most sophisticated investors in the world who are investors in the funds where I've worked, um, including, including at Asymmetric. We probably have some of, some of the people I consider the most sophisticated investors in the world. And um, on the other hand, there, you know, I've worked with plenty of really impressive, well-endowed groups who, who um, you know, they probably have one or two people managing um, billions of dollars and, um, you know, need, need a lot of assistance and help just because of the scope of what they're working on. They're, they're certainly not, a, they're not able to be a, a deep dive person in, in specific areas of venture or, or certain asset classes. Um, so, so there's, there's a really broad range of people to work with, um, and to be able to kind of translate for and, and convey the messages of any given team. So that's always been an exciting part of the role for me and it's kind of led me to this path where I am now. This is indeed really exciting. And like I was sharing earlier, it was, it is a unique conversation because we have in majority cases have had amazing women who've led investment decisions um, and are ramping up the ladder at funds. You on the other hand are the COO at a fund where you're managing other, uh, other fund managers in some way who happen to be LPs or just uh, managing your existing fund, raise, raise more funds, et cetera. So this is a very unique perspective uh, from somebody who is in the industry, you know, in a very different role investing, but not the uh, standard kind of investing that, you know, we all know. So thanks for sharing this. Right. This was definitely very interesting. Um, sure. Switching gears and understanding a little bit about building a fund, which is new in, in the CEO capacity. One unique aspect yeah. that we've noticed, and I personally know of as well, that Asymmetric has a history and relations that the founding team, you, you guys have a relation that stems back over a couple of decades. Um, I'm sure that has influenced the workplace dynamics in a lot of positive ways, probably some challenges, but would love to uh, hear about that in terms of how Asymmetric came through the idea. You guys started thinking about it um, and how has that deep long relationship influence the workplace dynamics and obviously the positives but if possible something that you felt was challenging that you didn't anticipate hmm, sure so um that's right yeah our founding team is quite unique in that um of the four of us we've all known one person on the team for more than 15 years so um you know, Sam and Nancy, who are both on our investment team, actually went to high school together and then really, you know, have reconnected in, in this process at Asymmetric, having not seen each other for a while, but they had that foundation of, and similar background, um, which, which is pretty unique. And Rob and I, um, you know, have a similar history in that we uh, went to undergrad together at Princeton and actually met truly on the first day of classes our freshman year because we were assigned to the same freshman seminar uh, on Hamlet, of all things. 
And um, we, we just really, um, you know, hit it off in that class and um, built a really solid friendship that has lasted us now. I think this fall was 17 years that we've known each other, which is pretty amusing. Um, so obviously we've, we've known each other a really long time. Um, we've also just coincidentally um, continued to have very similar backgrounds. And actually this, this applies to everyone on our team. You know, after, after graduation, Rob and I both ended up going to Goldman in different groups, but actually in the same divisions. So we spent our summer training program, um, you know, together with the same kind of, call it 30 people. Um, and so went through that process together and then, and then went off on our own ways at Goldman and, you know, probably saw each other at social events on the weekends, but not professionally during that time. And then, um, and then again, coincidentally, just went to be in capital as our next step. Um, he was working on the tech investing team for the private equity group. And I, I was um, doing fundraising for the private equity team and the venture teams. So um, working at Asymmetric is actually the third time that Rob and I are colleagues um, but we've, you know, we've basically just been, had all, all these similar touch points kind of throughout our life since the beginning of college and maintained a, and, and a really amazing friendship throughout. So um, it's fun coming together now to, to really start something off, having that foundation. I think it would be, you know, I, I'm able to look at Rob from a couple of different perspectives. Like he was 17 years old when we met, um, but, you know, he's has since had this really successful career, being a private equity investor at Goldman and being capital, going to HBS and then founding his own company and becoming a CEO of Catalan for eight years. Um, so I think for somebody in a role like mine coming off the street, meeting someone like that, um, it's a bit, it's a bit of a different mindset, um, you know, meeting somebody at the height of their career versus having known them all along. And I think that makes it, um, you know, both challenging for me, it just not because, because we're friends and, and working with friends is always, is always um, something that you need to think through and make sure you have the right dynamic. But at the same time, I think I'm more comfortable with him um, and, you know, offering my thoughts and suggestions and frankly, pushing back on things that I don't agree with um, from having that longstanding relationship. So that's been something that's been both really fun and kind of unique. Um, as, as we're just able to tell the story, you know, he, we've, Rob's been, um, you know, thinking about launching a firm like this for, for a long time. And so I have always gotten to be somebody um, that he bounced ideas off of. And I think there were definitely moments over the years where we joked that, you know, we, we would have, we would go start something and to see it actually come to fruition in this way um, is pretty exciting. But I, you know, I circle back to just thinking about kind of the longstanding history and really the similar history of our team thus far. So, you know, all of us are a little bit non-traditional in the venture world in that we've all, you know, we all went to work in an investment bank after school, and then all of us worked in um, traditional, you know, late stage buyout private equity. Um, but having having that foundation has been really interesting because we all, we're all coming from a similar place of, um, you know, having worked on similar projects and using a similar investment strategy. And so we're able to all take our shared foundation and now apply that to the earlier stage venture world. And um, I think it's brought some really interesting insights for us as a team when, um, you know, I think uh, we're, we're using some of that kind of late stage deep analytical, almost consult, consulting style 
training and thought um, at the early level. But then, you know, of course, we're there are also areas where our backgrounds are different that have been really helpful. You know, I look at um, obviously Rob's experience starting and running Catalent, um, and then uh, Nancy, who you know spent a couple of years in an operating role at an HR tech startup in London. Um, what they're able to bring from those experiences is also really helpful. So I think there's there's been enormous benefit to us having both these long-standing relationships of trust and I think just being able to be comfortable with one another as well as some of the differences that we have as well. Um, and But I do think as I look at our firm and kind of one thing that as we're creating our firm, we're talking a lot about the type of culture we want to build both in internally, but as, as well as how we're building our profile in the market um, and building relationships with founders. Having, um, you know, really accepting and embracing the whole person is something that we've talked about that's important to us culturally. And um, we obviously had a huge leg up in that we were coming in, having known each other for 17 plus years, um, that the whole person was kind of an, an immediate part of the firm. Um, we didn't have to do the sort of getting to know you period with every single person as much. And I think, um, you know, Sam and Nancy are able to to share anecdotes from, from their high school experience. And Rob and I are able to do the same from kind of college and beyond. Um, and that's really brought, brought sort of the whole person in more immediately. And so now I think we're able to, to share that with people, sharing our story of knowing each other and, and bringing in kind of our entire lives to, to our firm and our work and trying to have the same types of relationships with founders because venture is really such a relationship business. Um, so that that's just one kind of anecdote as we've been thinking about, you know, um, strategically building out our culture that we, we really enjoy sort of bringing that aspect into it as well. Very true and truly exciting to hear the kind of relationships you guys have had and nurtured. And like you said earlier, it, there could be some element of thinking whether you're able to work with friends closely. And it's super appreciative mm -hmm. of the way you've guys, you guys have done it between the four of four of you. And I personally, because I see it day in, day out, I can't agree more that this is a rock solid uh, relationship. And, you know, in the whole clutter of now capital becoming more of a commodity, VCs needing a differentiator, I wouldn't be surprised if this relationship to begin with stands as a strong differentiator for the fund that, you know, we know, know each other for over 15 years um, at least the two, two, two put together. So that is super exciting to hear and the way you're building the culture going forward as well. Um, a little yeah, bit thanks. more on <laughs> a little bit more on building the fund um, and moving away from the relationship between teams. Um, this is of course a new fund and hence a new startup in, in many ways for uh, the, the core team building this out together. Um, for you specifically, who is managing uh, the bridge between our LPs and us investing with our founders, what do you feel has been something that's hardest or even surprising in a way where uh, you, weren't, you weren't maybe aware of or anticipated when you signed up for this role versus what you actually started building for the fund? Sure. Um, yeah, I think for me, the harder, but also one of the most exciting aspects of this role is just being a first time fund, which is itself a startup similar to the early stage companies that we're investing in. Um, you know, if I, if I zoom out and look at the firms where I've worked over my career, um, basically every job I've had has, has been at a smaller firm than the previous one. So, you know, Goldman, to bank capital, to a boutique uh, real estate firm, 
um, basically I've just been going to smaller and smaller groups. And now there, there's the, you know, the five of us at asymmetric. Um, so I've never had, I've never worked at a startup before. And, um, it, that certainly takes some getting used to kind of, but I really enjoy the all hands nature. Um, I, it's just new because I've come from, you know, established and, and really well-resourced firms. So, um, being in the COO role at a startup is really basically, you know, you think about every um, department and team and division at any other firm. And other than the investment team, I am every single one of those things. So, um, you know, I'm certainly investor relations, fundraising, client service, marketing. Uh, I'm HR, legal compliance. Um, I'm, I'm everything. So um, that's been fun. And I think sometimes when I am describing it to people, they're like, so you, you, you do it everything single thing to keep the doors of this business open um other than making the investments and um that's correct so that's been really fun but obviously that's a huge challenge and i'm there's a lot of things that i'm still um learning and you know have amazing um advisors and and uh, outsource providers kind of holding my hand along the way so i think it's not surprising because i knew that's what i was getting into and i was really excited about that but that's certainly been um you know, a big hurdle. I think one of the things as, as I kind of describe the setup of our firm that, that really surprises people when I tell them is that for us, interestingly, and, you know, we feel so fortunate to be able to say this, um, raising the first time fund was probably the easiest part. Uh, and I say that getting no credit myself because, um, you know, Rob started this up and, and was a one-man shop and single-handedly raised, um, you know, our over $100 million fund on his own in the course of about two weeks, which is which is um, almost unheard of and a really remarkable testament to him um, and you know the relationships that he has and the trust that so many people place in him and his, uh, you know his thought process and investment strategy. So I think that is the really surprising part that um, raising the first time fund was not really the challenge for our team, and um, now now we're just you know putting it to work and, um, you know, proving, proving that, uh, placing that money was, was a good idea for all of our investors. That definitely is incredible. I mean, raising hundred million fund within two weeks. Yeah. I mean, this, this sounds definitely incredible. And I love the spin you put it to saying, you know, you kept moving into fund funds that were smaller, and this is probably the smallest in terms mm. of building your own startup. So, uh, love the way you put it. Um, on the same nerve, uh, what for you at this time is top of mind as you're now looking to scale this fund? It's been about six months that we've been active, probably of lesser mm -hmm. time since we've been officially active. Um, but going forward, and this this could sound like a very typical uh, question, but I'm just genuinely curious that where do you envision the fund to be in the next few years? Sure. Yeah, I mean, listen, top of mind right now is really um, making the best investments possible in, in B2B technology companies and, um, you know, earning the best return for our investors. That's, that's goal number one, and that will always be goal number one. Um, I think, you know, as we think towards the future, I think there are a lot of different things that we could become. Um, and I think there are many of those that we would consider to be um, a huge success. So, and I, I think as time goes on, we will come to see where we will end up. But sure, do we have aspirations of, 
you know, growing our firm and, and growing, growing future funds. Yes. Um, you know, do I, do I hope that we're going to have a million products and have a crypto fund and an NFT group? Not necessarily. I think, um, there's a beauty to a certain level of simplicity. Um, there's a beauty to really when you found, you know, for, um, for lack of a better word, product market fit in terms of your investment strategy um, and what you're targeting, uh, really sticking to that strategy. I, you know, and I think we've had a lot of interesting conversations with LPs who they have seen all of their managers, you know, grow exponentially and, um, you know, branch into all sorts of new strategies. And there are a very small handful that have been very diligent in maintaining the fund size that matches their investment pace and strategy and sticking with what has made them successful over the long term. And um, I think there's a lot of respect in the industry for groups that do that. So that's something that we, um, you know, keep in mind and hold, like hold very closely thinking about um, what we want to become and how we would define success. And um, so these are all just things that, that, um, you know, our, our converse, casual conversations that the team has every day, but also things that we want to be, want to be um, conscientious about and strategic about as we grow. So do I think we will continue to grow from here? Yes. Um, do I think that we will be the world's largest, largest asset manager 20 years down the road? Um, I'm not sure that's exactly what we're aiming for. Um, so I guess, we shall see, but yeah, lo lots of exciting opportunities and, um, and things that could come. But right now we just want to invest in the best early stage B2B tech companies and, and make the best returns we can for our investors. Well, and for whatever it's worth, I can personally feel the passion in the way you're speaking. So, um, I mean, that, that passion of starting off and wanting to create something amazing and large is evident and because mm -hmm. like you rightly said the kind of background you guys have which has been in a lot more structured setting probably that's helping the team to be sure that you know you're focused and that focus is large enough to you know be able to attract more capital and return and hence be able to say that we will continue to be focused and not uh, go one off doing a crypto deal at the moment i think that that focus also is extremely uh, impressive to hear uh, as something that's top of mind. So thanks for sharing. And I I'm, and, and yeah. I personally feel that's, that makes a lot of sense. Um, switching gears one final time and addressing something why we as the podcast exist in a lot of ways. Um, curious to hear your thoughts on gender dynamics in the investing world. Um, Asymmetric clearly is ahead of the curve where uh, three of the five team members, I'm including myself as one at the moment, we're, we're three women in the team, um, two of whom, so you and Nancy are also in leadership roles. Uh, that clearly is an outlier and it, it doesn't make me feel glad to say it, but it definitely makes me feel glad that I'm a part of this team. Um, but other than that, for large funds or even other funds that you've seen otherwise, et cetera, have you noticed come across any gender gaps uh, towards equal representation of women? And if you have, would love your thoughts on how do you think the industry should think about it? Uh, should there be something differently done? Do you see that something is happening, um, something positive, and what should continue happening uh, to ensure that there continues to be equal representation of women? Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's impossible to argue that there isn't a gap when it comes to representation of women in finance and also 
in venture specifically. Um, I've spent much of my career being the only woman on a given team and in a, in a given boardroom on a given Zoom call, et cetera. Um, so it's definitely there. Um, I do think there have been enormous and noticeable strides over the last decade in terms of the numbers of women at senior levels um, and and coming into the industry. But you know, I mentioned the women in senior levels. That numbers are that number is still somewhat disheartening um, if if you look at the industry as a whole. Um, and it's certainly a tricky issue because I think everyone, you know, has the profile of a person that they want to hire with a specific experience and they're able to look kind of down channel it, you know, say here at Asymmetric, we're hiring a lot of people out of private equity or consulting. It's easy to point fingers at those firms and say, well, they're not, you know, turning out, turning out as many women candidates. And it's easy for those firms to then point the finger at, um, analyst programs at the investment banks and say, they're not turning out as many. So, um, you know, it's kind of a whisper down the lane of we're not getting this from them and they're not getting this from the next place. And um, that that's definitely not the best way to look at it. I think, you know, from my seat, kind of at the micro level, what I know I can do is continue to meet with and mentor and hire women um, and also really just evangelize about careers in finance and venture. Um, and uh you know, to, to just continue to be out there in the world. I've, I've been really heartened, you know, um, by the process of, of meeting um, candidates, particularly business school candidates like meeting you, Amita, um, where I've seen so many impressive women who are really excited about venture. And um, so I, you know, that, that's, that's just um, an observational comment, but I've seen so many, so many exciting and really impressive candidates coming through. So, um, you know, I think the most change that I can affect is at my seat of what I'm doing and our firm, um, you know, will certainly continue to hire women and um, just, you know, trying to be out in the world and, and, and be an example. Because when I was, when I was coming out of school, the, the roles I was attracted to were really um, roles where I, there were people that I knew and admired, um, going into them. That's how I ended up at Goldman Sachs as an English major, um, you know, who took two econ courses throughout the course of my entire college career, because I saw other women who I respected and admired and was friends with going into those roles and succeeding. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't think that's, um, anything earth, earth shattering there, but just, just continuing to, to be present and, um, you know, evangelize and, and be an example and, and really just meet and mentor and hire women. To me, that's the best I can do. Um, but I, I hope that it's making a difference. I'm sure it is. And you're absolutely right. Like just the lack of seeing role models who you can uh, look up to and follow and get mentorship from is probably one of the core uh, issues, it could be a stretch to say, but could, is one of the core reasons we're probably seeing uh, not as many women in the finance world as we'd like. Uh, but you're right, like people like yourselves are definitely role models to us. Um, and uh, just doing your part in itself will go a long way. Um, I mean, this podcast, for instance, hopefully being heard by whoever, how many ever women, um, I'm sure they'll feel a lot more confident having heard your story and knowing that uh, people like you in the industry exist who are rooting for more and if not more, at least equal representation and equal opportunities uh, just to enter and ensure that uh, they're able to make make place for themselves based on their talent and nothing else. So 
Uh, that's incredible to hear. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sharing it. Um, that does bring us to the end of our chat for today. And before we wrap up, uh, the one thing we'd love uh, to hear from our guests, something you touched upon uh, towards the last bit as well, that role models and people who you look up to are uh, extremely, extremely important in all walks of life, including professional world. Um, and hence, on that note, as we end, would love to know um, who would you consider as a role model as you grew up in, in um, your career or in, even in personal life? Um, who do you think is a role model to you? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, there's so many women. Do I uh, really admire a Sheryl Sandberg, kind of a Michelle Obama mm -hmm. for um, for really, especially, obviously, I've read their books, and I think laying out kind of their thought process throughout the way has been really helpful, both in terms of um, their careers and how, how they've thought about organizing their personal lives and, and really kind of sharing those internal thoughts. That's those, those two really stand out to me um, as, as people who have, whose words have really resonated with me. Awesome. Those two are top of my list also. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Sarah. This has truly been incredible. Um, I'm sure our listeners will uh, take away a lot. Thanks for your time. Thank you so much, Amita. This was so fun.